Praise the Lord. Well, last Sunday, we read about the wise men that came to worship the young child Jesus. Now, as I said before, we don't know. We do not know how many wise men there were. What we do know is that they brought three presents, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that was a symbolism of God's royalty, God's um, or Jesus' uh, priesthood, and Jesus' um, humanity. Gold symbolizing the kingly, frank incense, which was the most refined, pure incense there was. It symbolizes the, the priesthood. That's what the priests will use, burn incense to symbolize prayer. And myrrh was a symbolism of, of the humanity. And remember, the Lord called himself the son of man, right? And we were talking about the importance of that. We, the Bible says that we are kings and priests, that we have access to the presence of God, that we have a place, a room um, reserved for us in the throne of the Lord, that we will rule with the Lord, but at the same time, we have to be aware of our, our weaknesses, our fragility, our humanity. Amen? And those three presents were symbolisms of, of that very nature. God, this, uh, Jesus Christ as the Son of God, but also the, the, the high priest that will intercede for us and also a human being. Now, most scholars say the wise men or the wise men account probably took place about two years after baby Jesus, baby Jesus' birth. It is believed that it took them about two years to get to Bethlehem, actually. And if we compare the text, and we did that last week, uh, the vocabulary changes, okay, from the baby to the young child, and from the manger to the house, right? So we see differences in the text. So although in our Bible the two stories come together, some scholars believe that at least about two years went in between the two accounts. And that's one of the reasons why also Herod, Herod the Great, Herod the First, he decided to kill all the children who were two years of age or younger. So again, we have some uh, hints um, in the text of what really happened there. Now, when we think about the wise men, and we were talking about what they did and, and when they bowed down before the Lord and brought the presents, but if you think about the, 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 whole, the whole experience, the whole story, we have to emphasize that there was a, a spectacular entrance. You know, as I said before, we don't know how many, how many they were, but they came from a long way, and uh, they came with camels, they came with treasures and wealth, they came with servants. Um, it was an amazing pro processional. Um, uh, what an amazing encounter it was, an, an event. Um, at the point that King Herod and all Jerusalem were troubled, in verse 3. They were troubled. What is, what is going on here? What is this circus? All these people, they look different. They talk funny. They have different color in their skin. They come with all these exotic animals. They come with all these, all, all, all these uh, treasures and, 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 and preparations. And, and this massive entourage... Right? And, uh, and, and the Bible says that the whole Jerusalem and King Herod himself became troubled. I don't think he got troubled because there were three old men in a camel. I, th I think they were troubled because they saw this massive circus coming through town. What is going on here? What an, what an amazing event. But then we read, in the, we read in the scriptures that after this glorious event, it was time to flee. Jesus was a toddler, approximately two years of age at that time. And those wise men, 
and all they brought with them met Joseph and Mary and Jesus, their friends and family. But then they left. They came with all this massive processional, all this amount of people. Probably there were hundreds of them. And then they come, they, they enter, they, they, they celebrate, they confirm, and it's the Gentiles, you see, worshiping the king of the Jews. We see a connection there not only in the three events of Pentecost, you know, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit coming to the Jews. Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit coming to the Samaritans. And Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit coming upon the, the Gentiles. But here we see, even in Jesus' birth, how these Gentiles from, far, from a faraway country came to worship and surrender their treasures to him. And they were actually used by God to fulfill God's prophecies, God's promises. You see, this is an amazing thing because God had Gentiles and the whole humanity in, in, in his heart from the beginning. It wasn't just for him to save a particular special nation. He wants to save us all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but receive everlasting life. Hallelujah! This is the amazing promise that we have, that God loves you. God loves you and me, and he wants to save us. He wants to be part of our lives. He wants to be part of our history. At the point that we just changed years is the year of our Lord, 2022. Hallelujah. We count time from the time that he came. He wants to be part of our life. He wants to be part of who we are. So this baby is born, it travels everyone, and then this massive circus comes to town. If you think that Santa Claus is coming to town, is special. This was special. Hallelujah. But then they left. And I want to talk to you about this because there will be a moment, a defining moment, where all you ever wanted met in one event. Or in one place. But then as soon as it comes, it disappears. After the great blessing, they left. All the joy and the candles and the celebration and the meals and the parties disappear. And there is silence. Silence. And then an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in the night and said, Get out of here, now. The point that he has to pack, and they left in the night. And Joseph and Mary and the young child had to flee. Why does God do that? Why does God call you, anoint you, bless you? And then he says, leave, leave. And he sends them to a strange country with no family, no friends, no job, and no house. Can you imagine Mary? For goodness sake, she would be like, I'm pregnant. I'm going to give birth. I'm, I'm, I have to go to, this, to the town of my husband because the crazy Roman emperor wanted to make a census. And I'm about to give birth. And we don't have anything there. And it was last minute. And we have not booked anything. And I have to give birth in a stable. And my baby is put in a, man in a stone manger, which is actually what the shepherds did with the lamb, to symbolize the lamb of God. And, and, uh, and all these angels appear, and all these shepherds appear, and, and, and Mary is thinking, but I don't have a house. You know, women think different than we do. 
We're going to host everyone. What is going to happen here? Who's going to help me? Who's going to cook? But then the Bible says that when all that happened, she was in the house with the young child for about two years. She could settle. She finally became the mom of a normal family. Have you ever feel like you are not normal? I feel like that many times. Finally, finally, everything is normal. Not only normal, a massive processional comes to town and points that little house where the star is on top. That's the most important house in the world. And Mary is like, okay, this is not normal, but it's nice. But then all of a sudden, they disappear. Can you imagine Mary and the baby and after so many people in town, so many people in the house? Do you have people in the house in Christmas? You love when they come, but you even love more when they go, isn't it? God bless you. Love you. See you next year. <laughs> right? It's tiring. You know, you're entertaining. You're busy. You want, to, you want to serve them. You want to bless them. You want to serve good food. You want to have a great time. And then all of a sudden, you know, they go. And Mary says, that's great. I'm going to go to sleep. And in the night, Joseph is awakened. Get them out. No time to think. No time to react. And Mary, all of a sudden, finds herself on a journey. Where? Joseph, did you say? Did you say Egypt? Well, God spoke to you. God has to speak to me. Every time I say something like that to Bethany, Bethany, God told me that. Uh-huh. God will have to talk to me. Mary, are you sure, Joseph? Egypt? We don't speak the language. We don't, we don't know anyone there. What are we going to do there? For how long? Is this just a, a weekend thing? or <laughs> what, What's going on here? Egypt? And we have to go now? I mean, now? I mean, let me just talk to the neighbors or the family or let me just get the house sorted. No, no, let's go now. Shall we sell the house? Shall we just we, go now for our lives? Mary says, to Egypt? Are you sure? Egypt represents sin and bondage in the scriptures. We came out of Egypt a few hundred years. Joseph, why shall we go again there? Strange, isn't it? Confusing. I'm just trying to put you in a sort of realistic situation. It loves great when we read it in the Bible, but if we will be there, what will happen? This is crazy. Waking up in the middle of the night. I don't know how many of you like to be walking in the night. I'm not a morning person, so I hate it. Don't call me because I can kill you with love, but I can kill you. <laughs> now, God did provide for them beforehand by the three presents that the wise men gave them, the three presents that they brought. But why? Why after the blessing we have to be left alone? What did it happen also? It's not the, the first time in the scripture. What did it happen also? The same thing with Joseph. You see, the, the son of Jacob or Israel. What did it have to happen also to young Daniel? A good man, a man of God, responsible, wise, smart, did everything by the book. Went to the best university. And then all of a sudden the Babylonians come and then they take him away. Why? Why, Lord? 
Why have you blessed me? Why have you opened doors and everything seems to be going so well? And why do everything has to change for the worse in our own limited vision? Well, it is God's way. Well, that's not very helpful, is it? It is God's way. Because God is more interested in our character than our comfort. And that's completely different to us, isn't it? We are more, we want, we want comfort as much as possible. God wants character because character is eternal. Comfort is temporal. And he wants to develop our comfort, our obedience. I will not preach about Genesis 22 today. You have heard me many times talking about those five first Hebrew words that ever appear for the first time in the Bible. Every time there is a test, we want the provision. But there are other things that happen. Remember that? Obedience, love, worship. God is always doing something in the middle of the crisis. He did that with Joseph and Mary and Jesus. He did that also with Joseph, the son of Jacob. He did that also with Daniel. He never does things the way we will do it. Praise the Lord for that. He always sends you to Egypt before he sends you to the promised land. Why did Joseph have to go through everything he went through? Although he did only the right thing. But God was with him, the Bible says. God was with Mary and Jesus too. God was, was with Joseph. God was with, also with Daniel. When God is with you, the lions cannot eat you, and the fire cannot burn you. This is what Daniel and his friends went through. When God is with you, whatever you are, he is, and when he is with you, no matter how crazy it looks, nothing can touch you. Nothing can deviate you from God's A plan. God never had a plan B. I talk about that often. God always has plan A. You can get there in 10 days, or you can get there in 40 years, but it's plan A. It's like if you put an address to a GPS, and then the GPS breaks, and you it doesn't accept another address. It's pointing. You can go wherever you want, but it's always pointing to the right direction, to the, to the, to the right destination. The, 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 the journey will be different, but the destination is always the same. God has only one plan. Now, God did not call me, God did not call us to understand him. He has called us to trust him. When David was talking about that word, trust, I was thinking, Lord, he's going to steal my sermon today. You see, the word faith is the, the, the original Greek word pistis pistoio in the original language. And it means believe and trust. This is extremely important. Because believing is not enough. The Bible says that even the devil believes in God and trembles. But faith is about believing and it's about trusting. I believe in this book. I believe in the Word of God. I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. But when I face a challenge like Joseph's, Joseph um, faced that night, that's actually when we have to Stand on it. Stand on God's promises. Stand on God's word. 
Not only believe in it, but act accordingly. What is trusting? Well, trusting God is taking God serious, isn't it? It's not only saying, oh yeah, I believe what he says, but it's, I'm actually going to go according to his statutes, according to his commandments. Hallelujah. God has not called us to understand the situation. When I say God has not called us to understand him, yes, he has called us. He wants us to, to get to know him. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. But he has not called us to understand every single situation. Sometimes he will lead you in, he will lead you in the dark. He will say, just do it. Just trust me. Just develop your trust. Just develop your character. We want every instruction. And then we decide to do it or not. God says, I will not give you instructions because what I want you to do is just go and do it. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of everything. God said to David and Solomon, you go ahead and plan, but the plans of the Lord will prevail. Sometimes we want to be in charge, isn't it? We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. And sometimes God says, Exodus 14, 14. Remember that text? He's encouraging us to be still. To be still. And he will fight the battles for us. David said, I'm not afraid all the time, but when I am, I will trust in you. I have this little testimony. When I was a kid, um, I probably watched something I shouldn't watch or, you know, one of these movies that something came up and scared me. My parents were very careful to what we will watch or not. Um, and I, th I saw this thing, I think it was like a, a movie or something, and... Uh, I just couldn't sleep. I was scared. I was scared. I thought, you know, there's a monster under the bed or something like that. And I remember in that time, one of my mom's uh, younger daughters, she was living with us, young, younger daughters, younger sisters, um, was with us, my auntie. And, um, and she was a believer. And um, she was a teenager, really. And uh, I remember... I was crying, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sleep, you know, I'm, I'm scared, you know, switch on the light, you know, check under the bed and in the cupboard, you know, that sort of thing. I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that. And, um, and I remember my auntie came and she sat on the floor and, you know, just by the side of the bed. And she said, let us pray. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. Well, let's pray. Yeah, let's do that. And she taught me this prayer. That I'm still today, of course, I'm only 21 today, but uh, <laughs> twice. And, um, and um, I still remember that prayer. And I was about seven or eight. And, and, and the prayer was very simple, but it was effective. The fear just went like that. And I have always remember that. And every time I have been afraid, I have prayed that prayer. And the prayer is as simple as this. It says, obviously in Spanish, but I will translate here. It says, Lord... Take away this fear because I trust in you. Amen. Lord, take away this fear because I trust in you. And that word trust is not a, you know, the formal Spanish word for trust. It's not a word that kids speak. It's, it's not in our vocabulary. Confiar, to trust. You, you know, a kid don't say confiar. I trust in you, Lord. You don't, a seven-year-old will not use that word. We'll use something else. But my auntie said that word. 
And I believe that God used her because that's been in my head all my life. Trust. If I trust you, Lord, why shall I fear? If I trust you, why, why should I be scared? Hallelujah. I trust in you. And David says, Lord, I'm not always afraid, but when I am, I will trust in you. Emmanuel, God with us. If God is, if God is with us, who can be against us? You may go, be going through a situation at the moment, you know, and uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Or you don't know, you know, how it's going to work out. But wherever you are, God is also. And he has promised that if you trust in him, everything will be okay. Not that everything will be easy and simple, but everything will be okay. For God knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. Abraham, go and sacrifice your son. Trust in God. Joseph, take your family in the night and go to Egypt. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in God. Hallelujah. God send you. God will send you to Egypt to prepare you. God sends you to Egypt to protect you. Do you think where you are now is bad? You have no idea what God is protecting you from. If you were right now where you would like to be, Herod will tear you apart. Sometimes we don't see that. John and I often talk about this um, popular saying, isn't it, John? The, the, the green... No, the, the green, you help me with that. The grass is always greener in the other side. You have to water it more and cut it more and all that, right? But so many times we can lead our lives looking for something else. We're constantly looking for, sometimes it's just to avoid responsibility, I don't know, but sometimes we're just looking to, oh, if we will have this, if I will, if I will be... If I will have that job, if I will make the money, if I will have this, if I will live in that place, if I will have born in a different country, if I will be different, if I will be a man, if I will be a woman, if I will be taller or shorter, or we are always pretending it could be somewhere else. But the amazing thing is, if we we don't know what God is protecting us, and and, and although probably Joseph and Mary says this is an inconvenience, I, you know, it's it's so wonderful to be here. We finally have a house. Our kid is a toddler. He got a few friends in the school. You know, we can. And God says, move. Hmm. Because if you don't move, Herod is going to come this morning, next morning, and kill you. Think about that. Think about, just change and realize that maybe where you are, at least where you are now, is exactly where God wants you to be. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. Maybe God will call you tonight to do something like he did with Joseph. But right now, the amazing thing, the important thing is I know I am where God wants me to be. I would like just to throw a few passages of the Bible here to encourage you. I thought instead of closing with a conclusion of this message, let's just 
let's just close with the Word of God. And I will be throwing passages here. Do we have them, Chema, or shall I just read them? Wonderful. Thank you, Chema. Chema got all these passages I sent him here for you. The first one is Psalm 30, verse 5. It says, for his angel, sorry, for his anger, I'm getting, the light, I'm getting this light reflecting in my face here. For his angel, again, Lord, am I in the right place? <laughs> for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Let's go to Jude chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. And actually, I have highlighted those three words, called, sanctified, and preserved. God has called you. God has sanctified you. But God wants to preserve you. And he knew Joseph and Mary would not be preserved in that place at that time. So sometimes God will tell you, we'll do something crazy. To preserve you. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 to 6, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Hallelujah. Woo. Let's go to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 6 to 8, or 6 and 8, I mean to say. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 8, and the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. These are the promises of the Lord for our lives. And let me close with Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 and 9. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you, whatever you go whatever you go whatever you are he is lord we thank you we thank you for your word and we thank you for this what we will call basic basic promises lord that sometimes we just read so quickly that we forget the value and the power of them Lord, help us to remember 
that wherever we are, you are already there. That you are everywhere. And Lord, there is no place, there is no place where you have calling us to go that you will not come with us. We see that from the beginning of the scripture, from the beginning of the Bible, how you have always, always been with your people. You never leave us. You never forsake us, Lord. And Lord, I, I want to pray today over, over the church, Lord, over your church. Every single one of us, Lord. Our brothers and sisters, the ones who are here in this building, the ones who are at home through Zoom or YouTube. And those who are listening to this message right now, although it was recorded years ago talking about those in the future from our point of view, but as I'm speaking, you're speaking to them right now in whatever year they may be. This may sound scary, isn't it? But <laughs> the Word of God is eternal. It means it's not submitted, limited to time. So Lord, I pray for everyone who is listening to these words right now. Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, will do a work in their hearts and that you will give us the assurance that you are with us, Emmanuel, God with us. You said to the disciples, it is good for you that I leave, because when I leave, I will send you Ba-Nu-El, God in us, the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel opened the door for Ba-Nu-El. God with us opened the door for God in us. And Lord, help us to remember that. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 12, Dear brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about the things of the Spirit. The pneumaticon, the things of the Spirit, the spiritual stuff, the spiritual gifts, we call them. Lord, help us to realize that the greatest power is the Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us to all truth. And truth is not a philosophy or an idea. Truth is a person. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through me. Lord, you are the door. You are the keeper. You are the protector. You are the creator, but you are also the one who pres uh, preserves things and keeps things going. Lord, we labor in vain if you don't edify the house. And that's why, Holy Spirit, we ask you for your anointing, your presence, your direction to illuminate us, Lord, to speak to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, as I said before, everyone listening right now, Lord, that your light will shine upon them, Lord, within them, that they will be able to see. And the light brings information and clarity and instruction and dissipates darkness. And I pray, Lord, that, that we will surrender to you, Lord, and realize that fear has no grip on us anymore, for you are with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Lord, we love you today. And we ask you, Lord, for you to become stronger and more free, free <laughs> living in our little hearts that you will be enthroned in our hearts, and that you will take over. Be the captain 
Oh, captain, my captain, be my captain, be my leader, be my guide. Be my direction. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, take your place. We adore you, Lord. We enthrone you, Lord, with praise. We bow down before you, acknowledging that you are King and Lord, that you are Savior, that you are good. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And for those of you who believe in miracles, I finished 10 minutes earlier. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye.